welcome. Yes, welcome. Look who is back. Mm. I have uh, returned. Back again. Yes, he has returned. Look at him with his hat. And <laughs> the pretty um, <laughs> So welcome to another week of uh, This Isn't Taboo. This, this is isn't, our... isn't taboo, boo, boo, Yeah, boo. It, it We should really get isn't. one of those. Like one of those, ec- one of those echoing um, things. This isn't. Yeah. Isn't. Like it's like you're going to like a, a, a concert and then you yeah. hear it like, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. You should pay for that. That's dope. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm probably going to try to create it myself because we ain't going to pay for that. Yeah. Oh, wait. You can create it yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's simple. Oh, okay, cool. You do that then. Nice. So, um, so yes, everyone. Uh, like as you can see, our energy is super high today. But um, I hope all of you have been having a wonderful week. We are at the end of the week. If you have had a productive week, congratulations, you yep. made it. If you didn't have such a uh, productive week, use the weekend to get on top of your shit. Get it together. So, Yes, please get it together because we are at a moment in our lives where we don't know when the end is coming. So you got to use every time you have wisely and to actually be motivated and do the things that you want to do. Wow, you, so, you, that was a great point. How about that? Yeah, you know, I just like kind of like snuck that in there real quick. I'm gone for a week and you back all wise. I should, I should leave you more know, often. You know, I think he blessed me over the week that you were gone. And I think, you know, he just sprinkled a little bit of wisdom on me. Hey. <laughs> um, so with that being said, you guys, uh, we are going to be talking about mental illness and suicide today. Um, not so much of a lovey-dovey topic like we talked about last week, but an important topic. An important topic that we must talk about, we must discuss, and we must shed light to some of the um, taboo stuff that is going on amongst the black community, amongst the church community, amongst us as in general as right. a society, right. not so much as a race individual aspect. But um, there's a lot of stuff that we, we I think we can get out of this uh, today's podcast. So with that being said, we are going to have two new guests with us. Um, we are going to have Florizza who uh, is a college friend of mine. Um, We went to college together for the first two years, and then, um, you know, we've known each other since then. And then Antoine, who was referred to me by another college friend of mine, um, they'll have a little bit of chance to kind of, like, tell you about themselves. Uh, So with that being said, I am just going to uh, give Florizza a call real quick so we can have her join us and uh, start talking about this topic. Yes, ma'am. Did you have a good day? Yeah, it was pretty cool, man. It was, it was, it was cool. It was tough, but it was cool. It was just one of those days, man. Cool, cool, cool beans. I think she is coming on now. I think she's actually on now. (laughs) Oh, you're on. (laughs) Hello. I think my computer is a little slow. Hello, Florizza. Welcome. Welcome to This Isn't Taboo. We're so excited to have you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Nice You're to welcome. see you, Flo. Flo with the curls. What's up, Flo? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Flo with the popping curls. The popping hey. curls. <laughs> um, so, Florizza, we uh, already kind of gave everybody a little bit like a brief snapshot that we were going to have you come on board. 
Mm -hmm. So with that being said, I'm just going to kind of shift it over to you and have you talk a little bit about yourself and uh, just tell everyone just a brief uh, synopsis of who is Florizza. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Florizza. Again, thank you for having me. Um, I'm currently a master's student at FIU earning my social work degree my last semester. I also am interning at Miami Bridge um, nice. Youth Family Services as a counselor. I work as a dependency case manager in the adoption unit. Um, I also started there as an intern, and then I, you know, enjoyed it so much. Despite its challenges, I it's quite a rewarding field. So I've been there for almost a year now. Um, what else? I dance for the club on weekends. Ooh. So I do all types of different things. I volunteer. <laughs> so like everyone else, I'm, I wear many different hats. Um, so I'm just happy. I, I have my bachelor's in psychology. So I originally was going to go and get my master's in therapy. So I said, let me just broaden my field and get into social work. Because with that, I can do much more. So, so much. Nice. Nice. Where are you from, Florizza? And where do you currently live right now? I currently reside in Miami. I've been here, I think this year is going to make it 10 years. Um, I'm from Haiti. I was born and raised in Haiti, but most Haitians would count me as a foreigner, given that I no longer live there. Oh, <laughs> so, well, mm, you know, even yeah, though I... I, I know. They'll, they'll call us diaspora. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, 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 wait, how old were you when you, when you came here? Um, I mean... Officially, officially, I would say like 16. I was, I went to Jacksonville, um, oh. graduated high school there. So, You're but I mean, Haitian, like, bro. like, can't nobody say nothing about that. Then. <laughs> <laughs> 16, you full blown Haitian. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were um, gonna say like two or three, then I'd be like, eh, you know, maybe. No, I mean, like, I've been going back and forth, so, but I mean, it's been a while, honestly, given all like the, tra the tragedy that's happened. So, right. yeah. I don't even recognize it anymore. Like last time I went, I went for the holidays. So I could, you can only imagine. Yeah, I do like the fact that you go um, very often though. I, I need to start, actually this year I am going to go for the first time. So that should be yeah. pretty interesting. Yes, <laughs> go, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm um, I haven't okay, been so, back since since I came here. So yeah, it's kind of a shame Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Same here it is time for me to go back and definitely start what i'm supposed to be doing over there but with that being said um thank you flo thank you so much for telling us a little bit about yourself i'm so excited that you're here um i am going to call our next guest uh his name is antoine um he was referred to me by a college friend of mine as i've mentioned so i'm just going to have him come on board and uh join the conversation with us and we'll get this show started yeah okay so if you guys see him come on before i do like just don't tell me hello antoine hello. Hello. how are you doing good how about y'all we're good, good. man Good. We're so happy to have you. So um, we have you um, on board right now. We're going to have you start with telling us a little bit about yourself. 
Um, you can tell us, you know, what it is that you do, um, where you're from, where you currently reside, um, just anything that comes to mind so that way the people can get to know our guests. All right, cool. So, hey, everybody, my name is uh, Antoine Lindsay. I grew up in Liberty City, Miami. Currently reside in Fort Myers, Florida. I'm an educator, eighth grade science. Nice. I'm also a self-published author, a dad of a young boy named Aiden, uh, six years old. And uh, anything else interesting that I want to want to say about myself? Um, nah, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm glad to be here with you all tonight and discuss this great topic that we're about to go ahead and talk about. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Um, we're going to start off with Stanley. Um, I know you didn't get a chance to uh, introduce yourself to everyone, so we'll have you tell everybody a little bit about yourself um, oh, and just, you know, go around and tell us where you're from, nigga. They, they know me already. <laughs> they see me. Now, nah, but um, for you guys, um, originally from Haiti, lived there 13 years or so, then moved to... Yeah, moved to Georgia, like Woodstock, when it was all wood. And I mean, now it's all developed now. But um lived in Georgia for about 17 years, and I currently reside in Texas. You know, God's country and whatnot. Uh, God's country? Say yeah, who? Said the locals here, man. But anyways. Well, they die in this heck because I definitely, Texas people be racist. I'm sorry. Racism is everywhere, though. I'd have to agree with Vicky on that one. but Racism is everywhere, man. But um, I also have a background in psychology, my bachelor's in psychology. I currently work as a human resources coordinator here. Um, So that's a bit about me. Uh, Yeah. Nice. Awesome. So we're going to get started with our topic of tonight. As I've mentioned uh, to you guys, we are going to be talking about mental illness. Um, tonight's episode is going to, you know, go into the nicks and the cracks about the, the these topics that we sometimes we either shy away from talking about or we just don't really want to talk about because either it's too depressing or whatever the case may be. But um, I thought it was just a perfect timing to bring this topic up because of the recent shooting that happened uh, in Parkland, Florida. And, you know, there's this uh, question circulating around social media amongst all of us, is this kid mentally ill? And if he was, you know, was the, is that somewhat, um, I guess, uh, a reason for him to like be pardoned or to be given lesser punishment because he was mentally ill? And he went up to this school and shot up the school. So my first question to you guys is, um, how serious is mental illness in our in today's society? And is that term becoming lost? I'm going to start with you, Stanley. Well, when you say becoming lost, lost in what way? I mean, in terms of everybody stating that, okay, whenever something tragic happened, that person has a mental illness. So our understanding of what mental illness means, it seems like it's becoming somewhat lost where we can just kind of place it on anything. Like anything that you do, it was like, oh, well, I had a mental illness. Well, that, does, that doesn't mean that, you know, it's, it's a precursor for you to do whatever it is that you end up doing. It's not a pass. You get what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, I got you. Um, okay. To, to that point, um, I think with the, 
advancement of social media now, we get to hear it a lot more. But I think it's been going on since the 90s when, you know, if a lawyer feels like they're about to lose a case and they can't get their client off, they'll, you know, use the insanity plea. They'll they'll use any type of plea like that to kind of, you know, get them lesser, uh, a lesser sentence. Um, but if you notice a lot of the mental illness that is placed on those who do bad things is usually from two folks of, uh, you know, the Caucasian um, race. If a black person or a person of color, brown, whatever, you know, their background, if it's not white, they will, uh, you know, prosecute that person to the full extent of the law. But if it's someone of, you know, the other race, they kind of get a little leniency there. Um, How serious, how serious is mental illness? I think it is, I think we overlook it a lot of times because we hear it around so much. Um, and, you know, when, when you see your friends walking around and you don't even pay attention to, to the things that they're doing. For example, if somebody is usually happy or, or, or joyful or they're doing things and they start doing things out of character, some people just be like, oh, they're changing instead of like paying attention to, okay, what's, what's changing? Like what, what is different in this person's behavior? What's causing them to act the way that they're acting? Especially if you're around them a lot and you see the way that they usually are. So um, I, think, I think we just hear it so much that sometimes we're, we become insensitive to it, but it is a very serious topic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Flo? Yes, I would have to agree as well. Um, and to piggyback of what you were saying about um, whites getting a lesser sentence, um, if it were a black student that went and shot up a school, he would have gotten shot on site. They wouldn't have even yeah. like seen yeah. him in, and you know, like he would have just gotten shot, and that would have been that. Yep. So, I mean, so that just goes to show within itself where it is that like America stands as far as yeah. um, mental illness. So, I mean, before we get to mental illness, let like let us recognize. Um, that like a crime is a crime and that it's not just only certain races that mm. gets to, you know, cry wolf or yeah, you know, I'm suffering from mental illness. Right. And <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. and as far as like mental health illness, it's a serious um disease. I work with um like kids that actually suffer from it and they take psychotropic medications. So it is serious, but I don't think we take it as serious because, again, they slap the label around, like, on mm-hmm. anyone who they see fit. Yeah. So we need to kind of, like, reanalyze our definition of what mental health illness is and, you know, like, actually um, provide the help of those who actually have a mental health illness. Right. Right. Totally agree. Point. Um Totally agree with that. Uh, what about you, Antoine? I want to hear what you have to say. So I think from the perspective of whether we take it serious or not, generally we all can see that it's taken seriously depending on, you know, what demographic or what, you know, <clears throat> socioeconomic background you come from. So when we look at the, you know, European uh, descent individuals, they have more affluenza. So they have a lot more money to go and get those resources than us of African-American descent. Whereas, you know, someone could get, you know, like like um, like we said earlier, someone could be, you know, 
complete insanity uh, due to the amount of money that they have for vehicular uh, manslaughter as opposed to someone who's back home, uh, you know, in the in the ghetto, you know, who goes out there and, you know, they're trying to deal with so many different things and boom, they take their frustration out by killing someone else. And it's, oh, he's a murderer. You know, he is, you know, the scum of the earth. But why not say, well, you know, this person has been affected by poverty. Mm-hmm. Their circumstances and their, their conditions, their environment is what caused them to be this way. So the I don't think that we necessarily need to redefine what mental health illness is. I think that we should be able to, you know, dissect, you know, the aspect of these are very serious issues and surrounding the environment that each group of individuals, you know, grow up in. And if we're able to subsidize one group of people for, you know, their well-being and or their wealth, then why can't we look at the people who are, you know, more impoverished and say, well, okay, which is primarily right. African American Latinos and say, well, okay, these are the circumstances that they go through. How can we be able to, you know, help them out? But again, it goes back to what we talk about, you know, when we think about the 13th Amendment and think about how this country has developed. It's more... I don't think the mental health aspect is something that, you know, they look at from a health perspective. I think it's monetary because they know they they can't they can't they can't, you know, create any value or any any um, residuals from giving the poor community resources. But what they can create residuals on is allowing those drugs, you know, to be out there on the streets so the way they can lock people up and put people in the jailhouse. Right. And supposed to, you know, so it's it's a kind of a tricky situation when we talk about mental health because I feel like it's a systematic thing, mm-hmm. opposed to there actually being, a, you know, a moral a moral perspective where people actually want to give help to, you know, impoverished communities. Right. Right. Great point. Um. So I will say that. Um. I agree with all of you guys. I think all of you guys had like incredible uh, points that are somewhat, you know, overlooked as all of you guys have mentioned. Um, my my whole t- perspective on terms of like uh, how serious it is, I think it's serious to the point that it's caused it's it's become the tenth leading uh, cause of death in in our society, and and that's how serious it is. And people sometimes, you know, when you think about things in in terms of like numbers and statistics, you start to see how impactful um, mental illness is within and amongst our community. But even deeper than that, when you're looking at the different variation in terms of like races and everything, um, there is a clear distinction that obviously Caucasian um, have a higher chance of either um, dealing with mental illness or have committed some type of a uh, either attempted to commit suicide or have completed um, a suicide, like full blown out. It's very, very high, and there's a I think about up to 15% of Caucasian have attempted and succeeded at attempting um, suicide because of a mental illness disorder. And then the percentage was about 6% for African-Americans and then a little bit over 6% for Asians and everything like that. So the numbers don't lie. They, they show a clear distinction. Now, the question that I have is, um, do we, uh, like minority cultures, like view 
mental illness differently? And if we do, is that the reason why those numbers are different? And if there is a difference amongst how we view mental illness based on race, is that strictly based on how we were disciplined? So the reason how why I'm asking this is because I did see, you know, people talking about, um, you know, you don't see that shit in black family, you know, we're not gonna shoot up a school, but white parents, they don't discipline their kids and everything like that. And that's typically the rhetoric that's going on around and everything. So I'm not sure if it has to do with parenting, um, but I think that should be considered when we're looking at those numbers. And in terms of um, if we fail to take like uh, mental illness seriously, definitely every single day because those numbers keep going up. And it's like, why do we keep having more shootings? Why do we keep having more people dealing with mental illness? And then on our end, what can we do as individuals to actually make sure that we are available to our friends if they are dealing with some type of mental illness? Stanley had mentioned earlier, um, your friend could be walking and smiling right in front of you, but they're going through something and they're dealing with some form of depression. And that can cause a type of mental illness. So um, those are certain thoughts that I wanted to kind of like put out there. And I wanted to ask you guys the question of, uh, is there a stigma amongst the Black community in terms of how we view mental illness and how we treat mental illness? Um, this time I'm going to start with uh, you first, um, Antoine, and then we'll go to Flo, and then we'll go to uh, Stanley. Okay. Yeah, so I think um, there's definitely a, a stigma, uh, whereas, and, you know, we have the the approach of self-medication. So when we talk about Black people dealing with certain circumstances, a family member dying from natural causes, you know, gun violence, alcoholism, things like that, we tend to, you know, brush it underneath the rug and try and, you know, do other things because we were taught that, you know, we're strong individuals, we can, you know, withstand pretty much anything. So opposed to actually dealing with the circumstances, grieving and, you know, going out, like uh, Stanley said, being able to talk to other people, we tend to internalize that, those, those emotions and let it build up until we, you know, get to this point where we, we, we feel like we can't control ourselves. So the stigma even, it also exists when we talk about, you know, the church. So pray it away, you know, it'll be all right, you know, mm -hmm. It's actually treating yeah. us, treating what's going on. You 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 fail to to you know acknowledge that somebody is going is actually going through something. So I think the stigma within the black community is that yeah you know yeah it exists, but you know you know it it'll be alright you know yeah yeah. I agree, especially with the church folks, though. They'd be like, you know, <laughs> depression is of the devil. I think Argan said that the other day. That is of the devil. You need to pray about it. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And then that is it. And, <laughs> and that's it. And, and in the name of Jesus, you're going to suffer, too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Larissa, I want to hear what you have to say. Um, yeah, I would have to agree with Antoine. Um you know, like it's it's like a black community with like throughout um the whole world. We mm -hmm. tend to just sweep everything under the rug or just kinda like leave it at home. But then I think the reason being is, you know, like we're a vulnerable, you know, population. 
you know, like history kind of like teaches us that like opening up to anyone about anything only tends to bite us in the ass, right. <laughs> you know, expression. So it's like in a sense we're we're kind of like still living as if we're in bondage, you know what I mean? So it's like that mentality that like, okay, I need to kind of keep it to myself and deal with it and just kind of like keep it moving because it's not going to help me in any way. I try and go get help, but, you know, like who's out here really looking out for me to do anything? You know what I mean? So someone, even I think, um, I don't know if you guys know, I'm from... Destiny's Child, Michelle, I forgot her name. Yeah. Yes, yes. She opened up about um, suffering through a depression and I think bulimia. And like we butchered her. Like (laughs) nobody kind of accepted that she was going through, Mm -hmm. like, or that she went through um, that. So that just goes to show within itself how we tend to, you know, like undermine like the seriousness. I was even like reading like an article, um, like within the Haitian community itself, that like how we just tend to bully, like indirectly bully our own. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like we'll joke about it. That's just a way to lighten up the mood. But then at the end of the day, you know, it it it's who you are. Like it could be that like you have like like a humpback or you have like a like large scar on your neck or your you know what I mean just any type of disfiguration we go to school we like even within our homes like your own parents your cousins like they mess around with you to lighten up the mood but at the end of the day like what does it do to you because we all have different temperaments so not everybody handles it Mm -hmm. like at the same level so it does something to you you know and then like it never gets addressed and you never tend to want to open up about it because you know like they're going to look at you as if you're weak and that's you know like what we're, that's what's what's being taught you know in our community which we need to start to change so yeah yeah Stanley? yeah um you said you said something that is very key to like the whole thing if you open up, they're going to look at you as you're weak. And we've been taught from the very beginning that we need to find whatever way that we can to self-preserve. And especially when you have all these other factors that are working against us, and then now you're adding something else on top of it, it's just like you have to find a way to protect yourself. And that's that's what happens. Um, and Antoine made a great point when he mentioned the, the church the church looks down on people who mention that they have mental, you know, any type of depression or anything like that. Because as they mentioned, people think it's, it's from the devil. Does it have some spirit, some spiritual origin there? Of course, definitely, because everything that we're living right now has so, uh, a spiritual origin. However, I do also believe that we are capable of combating a lot of the things that are happening in this physical world that's why we're here i mean if we're not if we're not able to do anything then why are we even here to begin with um so and i think the reason why a lot of the older generations kind of you know shun the idea of someone being depressed or even having the conversations is because they didn't have access to the knowledge that we have access to right now. They didn't have the opportunity to go to school. Most of them stopped school at like what, eighth, ninth grade, if even. So you have like at least two to three generations that did not have access to higher higher education. So a lot of the things that we're able to, to know right now is because we went beyond high school and 
you know, Flo right now is doing her master's and there's a lot more that she's learning right now that people who stop at sixth, seventh grade can't even learn. You have to, to think about the other factors that came into play when, you know, mother so-and-so died or family so-and-so died and here you have this orphan who can no longer go to school because they have to take care of their other siblings. So when they get older and you have their kids now ex facing things and experiencing life and they want to say something up to them about it, it's like, to them, they'd never face that. I mean, even though they face the situations, but they grew such tough skin that they don't even know how to deal with it. Like, it's, just, mm -hmm. it's, it's almost as if they're emotionless. Like, they're not heartless. It's just like their emotion is so disconnected to the reality of what's going on because they spent so much time trying to harden their, their, their heart and not letting things crack them while they're trying to, you know, survive. That when, you know, their kids or those around them are trying to talk to them about it. They don't know how to handle it. I mean, at, growing up, I used to, you know, kind of get upset at the fact that, you know, they wouldn't address it. But then when I stopped and thought about it, it's just like, we have a lot of opportunities that they did not have access to. And so it, it's, instead of like bashing them, I try to turn it around and try to see if there's a way that I could create, or like we're doing right now, create some type of dialogue so they can understand exactly the importance of you know having that conversation if your son is telling you that he's being bullied or he's if she's telling you she's feeling a certain type of way like instead of just saying ah you just weak just actually sit there and listen and have that conversation with them and also parents um i cannot mostly speak of the haitian community because that's what i'm, I'm you know used to they don't open up to their kids and their kids don't even know what's going on with them, and they don't apologize for anything that they for anything that they do wrong to the kids. And then, like you said, you know, they making they making fun of somebody for you know defiguration or whatever the case may be, and it's actually negatively impacting that child, and that child can't even talk to them, and that just makes the whole situation even worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think the the biggest problem amongst the black community that is like hindering us from moving forward is our inability to realize what we failed at, what we're not good at, and how we can use that to become better at it. Mental illness, for example, and actually being aware and talking about mental illness and actually being active members in our community. When I'm talking about in our community, I'm not talking about, you know, the well-off communities. I'm talking about the hood. I'm talking about the neighborhoods where, like, most people, most of these kids, they don't have either the role model of a father figure because we know we know the deal. Either their parents are not available, and if there are, the conditions are bad. So right. our system, our, you know, elected officials that are in within those communities have such a huge responsibility to make sure that we are thriving in, like, small little pockets of Black communities all across the world. And that is starting first with, like you said, Stanley, education, and actually, like you were saying, um, um, Antoine, like actually having somebody to actually talk to that will actually be there to listen to you and everything like that. And the resources, like you were mentioning, uh, Flo, we have to be a little bit more proactive in terms of having more resources. I think the church, since we know in our culture, in Black culture, church is something that is very uh, sensitive to us and very important to us. So majority of these kids are going to go to church at some point in their life. Um, I'll share a story, a personal story with me of what happened with me. Um, when I was in my teens, I can't quite remember how old, I was having suicidal thoughts. 
And um, I remember actually attempting to commit suicide. Uh, although I failed, I attempted to. And I remember going to uh, church on a, a Sunday and going up on stage. Um, I think they were having like a testimonial type of thing. And I went up on stage and I said, you know, and, I, and you know, tears just flowing down my eyes. And I'm, I was probably maybe 13, 14. I don't remember. Um, and I remember I said, I told, you know, everybody what my testimony was and um, how I was lying on the bathroom floor, really just at the brink of taking my own life because at that age, I felt completely alone. And we have all felt completely alone at some point in our lives. So, so I think after that happened, I did not get that. It was just they prayed for me on stage and then it was I went back to my seat and then nothing no follow-up mm -hmm. the next week follow-ups a few months later to see you know how are you doing no counseling session with my mom and my dad and myself to be able to come together with the pastor nothing like that so there's a lot of responsibilities that we have to ask of those people that has been given a responsibility to lead and those uh, can be any anybody ranging from church members to political figures in our community. What is it are you providing for your people to be able to thrive, for your people to be able to feel like they have somebody there for them? Um, so I wanted to use this time to kind of like uh, showcase one of my friends is, uh, he has a uh, kind of like a community called You Are Not Alone. And, or I'm sorry, you are not the only one. Um, and he uh, started this foundation. It's not a really a foundation per se, but it is a community on uh, social media. It's like a social media platform where different individuals from different parts of um, throughout the US or even the world can come and share their uh, story, whatever it is that they've gone through, whether they've had thoughts of suicide, whether they felt alone, whether they were a single mother, whether they just needed somebody to talk to, or whatever the situation may be. It doesn't have to be um, suicide or mental illness related, but just a platform where if you've ever felt alone, you have this ability for you to look at what other people are going through and you can look at your situation and say, wow, I'm not the only one. And so when it comes to mental illness, we need to take that approach just like that. Um, right. So with that being said, um, I'm going to ask my last, uh, well, not my last question, but close, well, it's probably going to be my last question. I wanted to ask uh, you, Floriza, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, I, I wanted to see in your perspective, how do you think we can be a little bit more proactive to tackle mental illness in today's society? Um, I honestly think we've been um, mentioning it on like this whole interview, like pretty psychoeducation. Um, that's pretty much what they teach us. Well, they're teaching me like in school now is to just educate those that do not know because no one's born like knowing. So like um, you we were seeing um, Stanley like the older generations, they're not aware of what the issues are. They're not aware of what the problems are. Or like um, the United States, like we're a melting pot. So there are many different cultures that become men with their own cultures and then they stay within their own cocoons mm -hmm. and they don't like go out to know like what else is going on and how, what, what are the laws, the statutes, like how is it like that we're supposed to be here in the US in like the proper way based on like evidence-based research, the, like the proper way to be. 
so I think the first thing is to kind of like teach, you know, like if you know or you see something being done that's wrong, teach that person. You know what I mean? It could just be something as simple as like hearing the wrong information. Like it's okay to kind of like correct them. Like I know, for example, as myself, um, you know, coming from a Haitian like background, like you're not allowed to kind of like correct adults, mm-hmm. look at them in the eye. You know what I mean? But you kind of have to like change that mentality. There's a way to do that. And like, I'll use an example. I had a case recently. Um, she was like a Puerto Rican from a Puerto Rican background, and she was having issues, you know, um, managing her son, which was he's 15. And, like, she would always point me to the side and say, yeah, he's doing this, he's doing that. You know, like, kind of, like, venting to me, like, of the issues she's been having. But then, you know, I started to take her side. But the more and more, like, I would go to the sessions, I would realize, like, wait, okay, like, the child is my client. You know, he's a human being. He may be 15 years old and residing under her roof. But then we have to teach him and her that, like, okay... We're both humans. We both have our sides. We both have our own views. We both have our values. This is the right way to do it. So then finally, I kind of like brought him all together after teaching her like, okay, you know, maybe the way that you're talking to him isn't helping him being like the best person he should be. So that's just kind of like a simple like example. Um, And like it goes back to like even mental health um, illness. If I know most of you would kind of like know the signs of somebody being depressed. So if you know or you see that the person is kind of down, you know how they are usually. So like the best thing to do would be kind of like to reach out to them, like talk to them. Or if the person's acting erratic, you know what I'm saying? Just yeah. like the signs, like they're always there. The signs are always screaming at you. Right. It's yeah. kind of like to, we just kind of need to wake up and pay attention and just start to educate those that don't know and to actually help because yeah. you know there are resources out there believe me there are a lot of resources out there we just don't know what they are so mm-hmm. the thing is like research i even have like a binder of like everywhere i go like i network whether it be a conference or a training so i have like a whole bunch of flyers so yeah like so i just put everything in there so whenever i'm in a situation like I'll just be like, oh, you know, like, go to this place or go to that place. Oh, I know where you go. Let me go. You know what I mean? Just so right. you, you're not going to, like, have everything available to you. Like, the key yeah. is always, like, refer out to someone that specializes in that. Because not everybody's going to be doing every single thing. Mm-hmm. We all have our specialization. So I'll refer you out to the agency or the organization that I know um, master did yeah. So, Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Thank you for that. I agree uh, 100%. And thank you for sharing some of, like, you know, your story and your background. And um, I think that was quite relevant to uh, the topic that we have today. Um, Antoine, feel free to share, you know, any stories that you feel is relevant as well. But I am curious to uh, hear uh, what your last final thoughts are on to, um, in terms of, like, how the church is and how our community and political figures can be a little bit more proactive in our communities. All right, so um, if I could reference my book for a moment. So the reason why I wrote my book was because a cousin of mine, my um, when I initially went off to college, about two years later, he ended up committing suicide. And, you know, I had been gone for about two years, and when I came, finally came back and I saw his mom, she just, you know, burst into tears, and she was like, he was supposed to be like you. He was supposed to go to college and do all of those things. And... As I'm listening to her, I'm saying to myself, but 
who am I? You know, I'm I'm still the regular old me. I'm, you know, struggling. And I think, you know, within the African-American community, we, we sometimes, you know, we're our own worst enemies because we, we look at the way history has been, you know, placed before us. And we try and say, well, you know, especially for people like us, you know, who are primarily first generation um, scholars and we try to not reinvent that wheel so much. So we put so much pressure and expectations on ourselves that the world, you know, it just becomes a, you know, overloading, you know, spectrum of just anxiety and depression. And we, we often can't deal with it. So in that, in that instance, when we, like you, uh, like you said earlier, Stanley, when we do look for other people, you know, and try and understand our situations, typically we can't, we can't, we can't talk to anyone because if it's, our parents or someone, they, they don't understand those experiences. They don't know what we're going through, you know. And even if we have friends from back home, they, they can't really relate because, you know, the, the mindset and mentality is completely different. Mm-hmm. So, in a, in, you know, in a perspective, when we talk about being, you know, having ways of, you know, treating, diagnosing, or, you know, just restructuring the, the idea of mental health within the black community, I think it comes with, you know, individuals taking personal responsibility for their education as well as their future. So we have we have school systems where, you know, we have um, elected officials who are out there, you know, working and doing everything for, for everything else. But when it comes down to those Title One schools where you have mostly your Latinos and African-Americans, where are the resources? Where are the resources for their teachers, for their, you know, guidance counselors, for the students, for the families, right? So having those people, you know, take personal responsibility for their communities, it can alleviate some of the pressure that these students and, you know, even people like myself as an educator have when dealing with those students and trying to understand these families. And then it can trickle down to the to the families themselves. Whereas, okay, here, you know, here are some of the more resources that we have for you all. Even when we talk about, you know, um, immigrant families, especially for people that come from, from Haiti and, you know, the Caribbean, um, Right. You come over here and you feel like you're in, a, you're, in a, you're in a lost world because you're trying to you're trying to trying to find your way. And then, you know, we, we, we get stuck and we get stuck at some time and feel like we can't, you know, talk to anybody. So I think being able to, you know, take that personal responsibility for our own lives and understand that, yeah, we may go through these things, but we can talk to somebody. We don't have to hold all of this stuff in and we can educate not only ourselves, but others then maybe and you know like i say take care you gotta take care of what's on the inside before you can take care of anything else on the outside and then maybe then we could probably Mm -hmm. diagnose and get mental health in black america right in a place yeah i agree i agree too stanley um man he he just made so many great points that i'm just like dude yeah seriously um we have to take care of our own um I don't trust the politicians at all. You already know that, Vikanya. I don't for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're all about the money. So, so when it comes mm-hmm. down to it, those of us who have been privileged uh, to know better have to take that, you know, torch to kind of start, you know, reinventing the things that are, that are going on around us. Um, I'm going to focus a little bit on the church issue. Because I think that's something that is lacking. Like, we are so far behind when it comes to that. Um, I think churches should have lay counselors involved 
uh, in what's going on and at least provide a three to four uh, sessions to their members and which if if the situation is something that is definitely more in depth you can at that point refer the you know whoever your client to a specialist or someone who can take the situation even further um the biggest issue for me of course is the fact that we don't even have like we kind of was saying you know you go and say this is what you were dealing with for the week nobody they pray for you but then nobody follows up as if that one prayer resolved everything don't get me wrong i believe in the power of prayer but we have to do yeah. our parts. We have I mean, to do that. He did tell us prayer without work is dead. Right, I don't exactly. Exactly. So they chose to hear the first part. Right, exactly. So um, we definitely have to do a lot more than we've been doing. Um, and, and I know every every week we have the show, and I, I stress the calling your friends. You know checking on your friends throughout the week because it is very mm-hmm. important, and you don't yeah. know. And even the ones that you do talk to, I think we, we need to start getting away from the cliches of. You know, I'm there for you, man. Like, just just call me. I'm there for you. Because a lot yeah. of times, they've heard that before from many people. And when they try to reach out, people aren't really there. So mm-hmm. I think sometimes we have to take the initiative to, hey, let's go out. Don't even tell them I'm there for you. Just, like, take the initiative. If you see something is happening and you feel that something is not right, take them out. Let's go out. Let's 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 just go and, and do something. Like, you don't even need to tell them what you need to talk. Tell them, you need to have them tell you. Just, like, take them out. Let's have a conversation. Let's just chill for a minute. And then once they start getting, once they start to see that you actually care, they will start to open up. Like, and I'm not going to say anybody's names, but of course, because of confidentiality, but I've seen it happen and it works. So we have to just be more um, intentional in our approach when we try to reach out to those around us. We need to be more intentional. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, thank you so much, uh, you guys, for all of your different perspectives. I think, um, and you know, I just, I just love the fact that you know this show is blossoming into exactly what it is intended to be. Because through our conversation, as you guys can see, we brought up so many things that you know are so serious that we don't want to talk about and and that's just the truth of the matter and so if you're tuned in tonight uh, for our fifth episode of this isn't taboo um this is a little bit of a flavor on how this is going to continue on forward we will have different perspectives because at the end of the day ultimately as you can see we ended up agreeing on everything and we saw eye to eye on everything we had different perspectives but ultimately it all was part of a one big greater picture and so um i really hope that you guys can tune in next week to see hear what we have to say the last thing i will say about this is uh with regards to um, how proactive we can be in our community um, I think we we really need to start uh, really understanding that in order for us to not remain in this cycle, somebody got to break it. And it's either going to have to be this generation, the next generation, whichever generation, but it has to happen. And, and until it happens, we're still going to have this, these cycles of, of, of people feeling not, um, you know, feeling alone and not having people there to support them and everything like that. So. Be an active member in your society, in your community. Be an active friend. Be an active supporter. Be an active uh, member in your job and work environment because that happens too. You know, when you're walking at work, you see your coworker and, you know, she's about to like punch the shit out of that wall. Ask them, like sit down with them, take them out to lunch and actually converse with them. And so um, just being aware, like everybody said, but also being actively aware, not being aware and then 
batting, you know, turning the left eye or whatever and just act like you didn't see it, but being aware and then as well as acting. Action should come immediately after you've noticed something. So with that being said, I think we're coming to our uh, one hour mark. I'm going to allow you guys to say one final words, anything you want to share. You got like 30 seconds. So um, <laughs> go ahead, Flo, go tell us a little bit of anything you have to say, anything on your mind before we close out. I mean, I'll just have to agree with you um, in terms of being active, just to be proactive, you know, like be positive about it. Um, I know it's not always easy to kind of like turn the other cheek or just right. be the higher person because we all have our days, yeah. but like energy feeds energy. So I'll never forget this lady was it's just a quick example. Like she came into her office, all pissed, yelling, screaming, and I was just kind of like looked at her like, okay, are you done? And then she finally <laughs> calmed down, sat down and got it together <laughs> and came back and apologized and, you know, came correct. So it's all about your approach. You know what I mean? So just kind of like, like you said, be proactive and just be you and like, don't be quick to like pull out your phone and <laughs> record. Yeah. Oh man, let's go viral. Yeah, it's all yeah. fun and jokes until like it gets real, you know what I mean? Or And then it hits home. So just kind of like be aware. Yeah. Antoine? I would say um, something along those lines, too, you know, uh, but mainly stop worrying about instant gratification, people. You, you just because you look at something on, you know, social media and you see these people doing these yeah. things. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff isn't always true. You know, be true to yourself and, you know, right. don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to go out there and fail because yeah. at the end of the day, that's how you learn. And, you know, just take personal responsibility for everything because, like I say, the world doesn't owe you anything. The world doesn't owe you a damn thing. We yeah. don't. It doesn't owe you anything. So if you take personal responsibility for your actions, your future, your dreams, your plans, all of those things, you probably more than likely you'll see yourself in a happier space. And then you can like um, like Stanley said, you can be able to reconnect with some of those individuals who you see that are, you know, in the state of mental paralysis where they feel like they're lost. And you you can be that testimonial person for them. Like, hey man, look, you know, I've been there. And that's what you got to do. You got to worry about you, focus on what you got to do, and you keep it moving. And, and, you know, not to be cliche, you know, I'm here. <laughs> right. You know, I'm saying take them out. Look, let me show you. So you got to, you, you got to, what is, how is, what's the saying? You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to talk the talk and walk the walk. Is that what it is? Yeah. 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 What you got to do. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Thank you for that, sir. Thank you. Uh, Stanley, any last words? He stole what I was going to say because I was going to talk about the IG thing. So, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, totally, like, become brothers or something. <laughs> right? Right. Right. Like, they're on the same level. <laughs> right, man. So, but, like, that's he's totally right. Um, we compare ourselves with the people that we follow and the people that we see, and we think we're supposed to be the same place that they at, you know, because of our age. But you don't even know what this person did to even get where they're at. I'm sure you probably don't even want to know or do some of the things that they did. So it's just like, yeah, just stop. Just just stop trying to compare yourself. Everything happens in their own time in your life. So just take the time to do that. Um, and, you know, like I always tell you guys every week, check on your friends. Please, please check on your friends. Like, go see them physically. Call them. Have that conversation. And that's really what I'm going to keep driving on every time we see each other until y'all get it. Like, call them. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
That's true. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that, sir. Um, everyone, thank you for tuning in to our fifth episode. Make sure y'all are tuning in every week. We have yep. interesting things that we will be talking about in the next few weeks, so you don't want to miss it. Uh, this isn't taboo, as I've mentioned many times, is a platform for all of us. So uh, there will be time where you'll see up to six people on here, and we're just talking. We're having real legit conversation no Ooh. you know what what happened i actually sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but i actually wanted to uh ask antoine a question um where oh. exactly where can people can uh find your book where they could you know yeah. possibly look at that let's network yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, my book my book is called reticent ensemble soul and despair you can find it on amazon i'm also a small business owner of bp media 239 uh, where we do graphic design, all of those good things, book publishing, and we um, actually have some shirts. Do I have any around? But anyway, you know, you can go and find all that merchandise, and it's, it's, it's more about, you know, embracing and, uh, you know, empowering the, you know, the African diaspora. So that's what, we, that's what we're about over here, you know. So. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Thank you for asking that, Stanley. Um, we'll find a way to uh, showcase and put your information Definitely. at the end of this video, so that way our viewers can see, can uh, follow, and you know, go purchase your book. Thank you so much. Uh, we're all about empowering each other here. We're all about using this platform for each other because we're all connected. We are all part of a greater and bigger picture, as I've mentioned before. So uh, let's be active members. You know, let's be supportive members. So. That being said, thank you all for coming. Thank you, Anton. Thank you so much, Florizza and Stanley. Thank you, thank my dog. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, 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 yep. yes. I appreciate yep. you guys. Have a wonderful Peace night. Oh. All right, good yep. night, guys. All right, folks. Peace out. Hey, what kind of Forever. Forever. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. See y'all.